I'll do whatever you want me to do. I just want to help you nail that son of a bitch that burned him. Show me how. Strange. He's right. There's residue. Holcomb is the third victim. Backdraft was set up somewhere in there. Fried Holcomb when he opened the inner door. But the outer door held and it waited for Tim. In a word, Brian. What is this job all about? Fire. the door and up across the ceiling not because of the physics of flammable liquids but because it wants to some guys on this job fire arms and makes them fight it on its level but the only way to truly kill it is to love it a little just like ronald Welcome to the Is It Cinema 9 <laughs> talk show. Is It Cinema 9 talk show? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. That's funny. Uh, I actually, Travis just told me we shouldn't identify or make any comment about our intro on the YouTube side, but I will say this. We're going to have to change that now because we got a new logo. In fact, the logo that's behind us now is no longer our logo. We updated it. It's neon. And for those of you that see it on YouTube, there's a quick intro that happens. So when you listen to the podcast, you just hear us start talking. I'm going to have to change that later. But yeah, here we are. Cinnamon Eye Podcast. It's me and Travis today. There is no Eric. He is taken ill. 
And uh, I understand that. I took ill last month, so I'm not going to sit here and shame someone who's ill. Wish you a good recovery. Take care of yourself, Eric. And we hope you're watching right now, which I bet you probably are in your misery that you're in. We're going to do Backdraft today, Travis, which is your selection. That'll be the main focus of our show. Does it hold up or not? But first, uh, how are you? How is uh, Travis doing this evening on a Thursday? We're a day late as well because... Not only was Eric sick, I had like a crisis yesterday, but we're good now. Everything's fine. So we're here doing a show. Doesn't doesn't it seem like Eric has taken enough ill? I feel bad for him. It seems like he's taken so much ill. He has. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, I forgot about that. Me last year. That was me last year. I got got all the ill last year. Well, not all of it. Still haven't had COVID. Knock, knock. Uh, But Eric chiming in. I'm enjoying this stream on my deathbed. I'm excited to hear about Donald Sutherland burning kids. (laughs) there's other parts of this movie but <laughs> i mean we could focus on that but yeah. i don't think we will Shadow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh but no i'm doing uh i'm doing i'm doing fine I'm doing hunky dory you know just 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 getting through ready to all of a sudden deal with thanksgiving so that's suddenly upon us all of the sudden all of a sudden or all of the sudden <laughs> Uh, I don't care. I, I'm, I'm going to say all of a sudden. All of a sudden, I wasn't ready to do with Thanksgiving. That makes sense to me. What's happening? How are you doing? Uh, well, I'm good. Things are okay now. You know, I, I had to deal with some shit yesterday, but everything's fine now. So we can move forward with our lives and be happy in this moment. I like movies. Uh, I like talking about film. I'd never okay. seen Backdraft. Right. So I squeezed Backdraft in. It was just like a, an hour ago I finished it, but I got it done. And uh, I'm glad I did. I have a lot to say about it, and it's going to be an interesting conversation you and I will have. But, uh, no, I mean, Thanksgiving's, you know, I have so few responsibilities related to that holiday. or It's not, it's, to me, it's like nothing. It could come and go, and it wouldn't matter to me because there's not like, there's not some big event for me where there's like a bunch of family or something. Is that, uh, I assume you have a bigger family, I guess I would say, than I do. Yeah, so I mean, I don't have a lot to do. I got to drive and I got to eat. But uh, once, <laughs> once I get there, uh, yeah, there will be plenty of family around. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. So you're going to watch movies with your family, right? Typically, when I go down there, I kind of, you know, just kind of I'm along for the ride. And if they're going to put on anything that's not Fox News, I'm very excited. I will watch all of the movies from the 1950s and 40s. If it means not having to watch even a moment of Fox News, I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I think we heard your stories from Thanksgiving in the past, so I can't wait to see what you end up watching while you're gone. Um, in the meantime, you did. S- I think you're going to talk about it. I mean, we should just get into it. So, uh, did you see Black Panther Part Two: Wakanda Forever? Of course. Did you? I have not. Oh, so I know. Oh, did you? Did I set that up like we could talk about it? I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't. I, I was excited, but uh, that Damn it. well, it'll, it'll keep me from uh, getting too spoilery, which, uh, you know, no spoilers, no spoilers ever. Uh, and the, on the tap, on the top half of the show, always. Okay. The second half. But um, you can give us uh, whether you enjoyed it or not. I will say that it is my main recommendation for the week. I mean, I absolutely loved it. Wow. I, I, I fucking loved it. Now, my expectations were kind of low. I was thinking, you know, this doesn't have Chadwick Boseman in it. It does. It didn't even have uh, Daniel Kaluuya in it, which I was also not crazy about. So I was like, this "Oh, is really?" Yeah, I'm like, "This is going to be like they cobbled this together. This is going to be a cash grab. Why is it so long?" Um, and then I watched it and I loved it. And like so many Marvel movies, I walked out of theaters being like, "Yes, people are going to love this one." And I look at it, you know, look at the reviews, like, "What? 
okay, I guess mixed reviews again. Um, oh, really? Uh, not as mixed as like Love and Thunder or the uh, multi- Multiverse of Madness, but but not maybe as glowing as I think it deserves. I really, really loved the new Black Panther movie. I mean, I was riveted, honestly. And uh, I, I think there's a lot to like. And I look forward to watching it again. Yeah, I heard uh, Kevin Smith cried. He recorded himself for crying in the theater when he watched it. So I'm not going to lie. I cried multiple times throughout that movie. Ooh, okay. Well, that is a... Uh... That's a ringing endorsement. I like to hear that. I like to be moved at the theater. So maybe uh maybe I'll get my ass to a theater to see this one. I don't have to get your Sunday. ass to Mars. I was gonna text you, get your ass to Mars on Black Panther. So now I'm just telling you to your face. Get your you ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. Get, get your, your ass to Mars. I I don't think I've ever seen a movie here in Canada, so maybe I could break the ice on that one. Go to a theater. Oh wait. Okay, well, I've never been to a theater in Canada. I have been to the drive-in a couple years back, so is that was any, fun. Is there any difference? Like, is there maple syrup <laughs> on the popcorn? What's the difference? No differences whatsoever. <laughs> very similar so. experience. Yeah, very, very similar. Most of Windsor and Canada are right. you know, very similar to Michigan. Walmarts and... Do, uh, do the ushers wear flannel? They have to. I would, <laughs> I would really like to see that happen. If they could make that happen, I think most of Canada would approve of it. I really do. I really want to move to Canada. All the stereotypes are like my favorite things. Oh, beer. I know. Yeah. Maple leaves. Uh, I Damn like it, it too. These are all great. <laughs> I talked to a guy at the casino the other day. I was all about it. I was very excited about it. And he's like, yeah. So a lot of people are moving here lately. I'm like, no shit. I'm not really surprised to hear that. So, oh, well, climate haven. Uh, <laughs> all right. So you saw Wakanda Forever. And it sounds yes. like you're recommending it as your recommendation of the week, which makes me excited to Absolutely. see it more. Hopefully I see it quicker than I saw Love and Thunder, which... I think I hopefully will. I also checked out uh, finally the extended edition of Spider-Man No Way Home. It's got 11 extra minutes of it. It's on stars if you're at all interested. I, mm. I mean, I loved No Way Home the first round. I loved it this round. 11 minutes, pretty much of jokes. They cut out like 11 minutes of jokes, which that's it, which was fine. Yes. Yeah, so, so I can, under, I can kind of understand why they cut them out, but they worked nicely in the film. So I was happy with that. Uh, what else did I check out? Check out some crap. I feel like I don't need to tell you about everything I saw or sat That's through, okay. for that matter. Um, so I'll, I'll hit, I mean, I was kind of surprised. I feel, you know, sometimes I really am reminded, like, shit, I am, like, we are such a weird generation because we grew up enjoying our parents' shit and, like, the generation above us, their shit, because they didn't really tailor stuff to our gener- like our age as kids. So, like, my whole life, I was always told that The Man with Two Brains is, like, the funniest movie of all time. And I finally sat down and watched it. I'm like, yeah, that was, that was all right. And I, I'm, like, <laughs> I, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's so many people who are like, this is the greatest comedy of all time. What are you talking about? But I'm just like, all right, that was, that was a film. How dare you? How dare you? Yeah, it was no, uh, it wasn't as good as The Jerk or uh, what's that other Stephen, uh, that other Steve Martin? Roxanne? No, no, it was from the same era. Uh, Luke turned me on, dude. It was like a, like a parody kind of feature from around that time, like about suicide, which was really funny, but I can't think of the name of it. Um, Yes. Yes. Dark, dark comedy. Really funny. I wish I could think of the name of it right now, but I can't. So I'll move on. Uh, You like movies about the elderly uh, embracing their sexuality. Am I right? Always, always down for that. Love the full Monty. Dude, you need to watch. Good luck to you. Leo grand with, uh, with uh, Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson. It's a, it's a two hander. It's her. And uh, like a series of vignettes with her and uh, uh, like her character rather, and a sex worker 
that she's meeting up. She's trying to like, she's, you know, she's been with one man her whole life. Her husband died and she's trying and she's never had a single orgasm. So she's trying to like, you know, embrace that and dude, like you would love it. <laughs> really? It, it is raw as fuck. And if you okay. like Emma Thompson, which I really do, I think she's one of the best actors. So do I. Yep. Uh, then definitely worth checking out. It's, it's on Hulu and, and only Hulu, I believe. Oh, uh, by the way, is that movie called The Man with Two Brains? Yes, The Man with Two Brains with Steve Martin. Okay, there we go. I got it. Yeah. Uh, Eric checked checked out Studio 666 not so long ago, so I figured I'd give it a shot, too. Uh, I didn't get quite the delight out of it as he did, I'm afraid. I mean, I it was I, my expectations were low. I tell you, I, I sure like... Dave Grohl. It's it's fun to watch him on screen. I don't know that he's a leading man material, but I do think that he should probably act a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> but it's weird. Like it's a bunch of guys in their fifties and sixties running around making this fucking movie. I and mean, that's how old these guys are. Pat Smears in his early sixties. Yes, he uh, is. Dave Grohl's in his early mid fifties. It's like they're these are like grown ass men doing this, but it's fine. I'm not judging. It's just funny. Lots of sounds like you're judgmental. Well, I I am judging a little bit, I guess. It's just kind of funny because it's got you're watching a band make a movie like the Beatles or the Monkees or something like that, which typically you think band, you're like, oh, these youthful chaps, these scamps running around having a good time. And that's what you have here. Only, you know, they're like AARP ready. So, (laughs) okay, that's fun. It was it was fun. Don't get me wrong. It was fun and it was gory. I but I also didn't. I was glad I didn't see it in theaters. I think if I saw it in theaters, I'd be fucking pissed. Um, <laughs> I watched also um, this movie called Guest Artist. If you ever wanted to watch, so <laughs> Jeff uh, Jeff Daniels wrote this movie and stars in this movie. And you know how that clip went viral, like the very first opening scene to um, News Newsweek or News Newsroom. Like it's just like him ranting, like a political rant. It feels like when that, like around the time that rant went went viral after the show was already off the air, he like, well, people like it when I rant. Okay, I'll write a script where my character just rants about politics and art and like all this. It's just like the it's woof. It was kind of a lot, but I actually kind of liked it. Um, but it was it was kind of kind of a lot. You know, <laughs> sounds the, like a lot. Yeah. I actually, I, I'm going to wrap this up relatively quickly. The the, the big, uh, other than, of course, uh, Wakanda Forever. Now, I'll say, first of all, before I get to the main thing, I, I watched a movie that is famously shitty. So Tubi did the thing that it does and just immediately throws another movie on, which was Steel, starring Shaquille O'Neal, which I, I'm like, fine, fuck it. I already watched this other movie. I'll watch Steel. And I got to say, not 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 bad enough to be good. Just very bland. Don't bother with with steel. But I had never watched Street Fighter from 1994 before. <laughs> I fucking loved it, dude. You loved it. I, I loved it. It was hilarious. It was so goofy and weird and 90s and over the top and just the production value was ridiculous and the jokes were ridiculous and fucking Van Damme with a big American flag tattoo trying to have an American accent with blonde hair and shit is hilarious. I, I mean, I just, if you will love a good, bad movie, I, I, I really enjoyed Street Fighter. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's your right. I mean, Raul Julia, it's the last call, and that's fun. He did, um, I think it's called The Burning Season. I never saw it, but it was a made-for-HBO movie that was actually his final film. Oh, it was. Okay. Or at least Very the last close. one to be released, I think. As, as oh, I yeah. Well, he was dying during Street Fighter, so I'm going to stick with that. 
I think he needed to make some money on his way out the door. Who could blame him? Make that money, Raul. He did have a family and some children, so that makes sense. And the movie, honestly, like, obviously you don't expect it to be good. But if you expect something campy and weird, you've got it with this movie. That's true. Yeah. So those are the movies I watched, and plus a few others, but, you know, I don't have to get into everything. Well, you know, those are the movies that Travis watched. (laughs) Uh, If you guys want to drop something in the live chat, please do. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts means a lot because it helps other people see the show, and we get to grow as a show. And, you know, there's nothing wrong growing as a show. If we can connect with more, it is good to grow. We connect with more people through film. That's a good thing. I don't and see honestly, that as a negative. Our, uh, our, you know, not to shame anyone. If you're, if you're like a first time listener or whatever, thank you for hanging out. But if you're a regular listener that hasn't reviewed us yet, we've been in a bit of a slump and kind of experiencing some uh, slow growth. And we would appreciate uh, a review or at least the click of the button. Just click a button that says five stars. Thanks. That, that's a start. We would really appreciate that. Reviews go even farther. I love this show. That's all you got to say. Just type it and hit enter. You only have to do it once. You can never do it again. So I actually take my reviews seriously because I know I can never review the same show twice on Apple Podcasts. I'd like to put my words into it a bit. Sure. But that's me. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be Mike. No, please don't be me, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, I'm a terrible human being. So, Well, uh, come on now, friend. <laughs> friend uh, I like to, like to have fun. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Spoiler alert. Oh, boy. So if you have not seen the movie Weird, the Al Yankovic story, walk away or skip this part. In three, two, one. So I watched Weird Travis, and I got to tell you, man, it. we started, me and Leanne watched it together. We were laughing right off the top. Oh, yeah. So funny. So funny. It's fucking hilarious. But, but. <laughs> yep. and I feel bad saying, it actually doesn't feel good to say this, because I love Weird Al, and I want to love the whole movie, but that, the joke really wore out, man. Like, that endless joke of god i mean what was it exactly like it was just like he beat it so much into the ground that uh uh i don't know or maybe like the parrot i I guess i don't know how to put this right now i'm kind of losing the i remember the moment (laughs) we were really kind of worn out after about 45 minutes exactly 45 minutes it was like like i remember texting you and eric uh, almost exactly 45 minutes in and be like i'm fucking loving this and then Right at that moment, I think it was when Madonna's character came in. Yes. And everything just kind of, the whole movie kind of derailed. And I was like, oh, yes. well, that's, that's too bad. Because it it, yes. it it kind of was like this meandering, bouncing around, funny bit, funny bit, funny bit. And then the last half of the movie, they tried to like give it like an actual plot or something. And then it wasn't as good anymore. Yes, that's what it is. Thank you. When Madonna knocks on the front door, the movie changes. And uh, there's a few more great jokes in there. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> the shit down in... South America, it's so absurd. It's funny, but like, dude, the, the fucking pool party scene makes the whole movie worth it. Yes, I know a Boogie Nights tribute, uh, which yeah. <laughs> Weird Al confirmed. I listened to him on the that Bill Maher podcast la- uh, last night, and he confirmed. Yeah, that was clear. I mean, it was obvious to me, anyways, but he confirmed that. So, <laughs> that's a nice dong look. Did you just do the dong look? That uh, yeah, I, just, I looked in my glass of water, and there's a dead fly in it i'm like i don't have any fucking flies in my house it's goddamn november where do you come from but that is uh, very strange but you actually but you know you just did it though you that look you gave even if it was unintended is incredible because you just did the same glasses down look that the (laughs) colonel does to dirk diggler when he asks him to see his dong may i see it eddie you really did it was hilarious unintentional well, uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna dump this dong water you go ahead and start your uh i will be right back i need fresh i will water. 
So, you know, go ahead. If you like Weird Al, you probably already watched it. It's free on the Roku channel, so you can not have to pay for it. Uh, but I got to tell you, it just wore out. The, the joke ran dry after a while. It got stale. I'd love to hear, by the way, what Chudpud thinks of this, because by far, Chudpud, Aaron, friend of the show, who's been on the show a few times, the biggest Weird Al fan I think I know. So, Aaron, let me know what you thought of Weird when you get a chance. Uh, I did some other films as well, and that's why I write down a list sometimes, because sometimes I'm here live on the show, and it's like, what the hell did I watch over the last week? And the worst thing I can do is forget it, because after the show's over, I'm like, shit, I really want to talk about that movie, and I totally forgot, which I'm surprised. I have a pretty good memory, but it does happen to me. So I watched uh, uh, High Score. High Score is a movie about... It's not a movie. High Score is a documentary that's on Netflix. It's basically like a six-part series, 45-minute episodes. It's called High Score, and they talk about retro video games and how... And they do like an individual... Each episode has a different area, like fighting games, how they came to be. Street Fighter, actually, is talked about in the arcade, how it first came to be, and then Mortal Kombat came after that, and so on. Don't forget Virtua Fighter. Never forget Virtua Fighter. Virtua Fighter, great great one. Tekken. I mean, there's a lot of great fighting games. Yeah. Uh, so I'd recommend High Score if you love retro video games of all kinds from six different episodes on different stories of retro video games and how they came to be. I, I just never get tired of that stuff, I guess. I'm into that. So that was fun. Uh, I also watched on Netflix Take Your Pills, which is basically about Adderall. And <laughs> there might be some problems there in the rise of ADHD's diagnoses and where stimulants were really popular in the 60s. And there was actually a crisis that happened in the 60s. So they had to, like, shut it down, and it kind of gave rise to the war on drugs that Nixon created. But then here we are now. Stimulants are as popular as ever. They've just been relabeled in a way. So really, really fascinating for me, someone who has battled back and forth on whether we should be giving children uh, meds like that. Uh, like, I it, I understand that there are disorders, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, man, like, these are developing brains and humans. It's We're putting these drugs in them. It's, I, I don't know. It just makes me really confused and weary so uh, check yeah, it out if you're in it's not like it's an upper if it works for you though i mean that's part of the reason why back in the day when we would re- recreate with that i remember like taking so much i'd be like when does the high kick in uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, it's still it's still gonna have an impact uh, i mean it's still a stimulant that's a all fact. it did was that's make my heart saying. race but and that is obviously a stimulant but like that was the only effect it ever had on me the, yeah like, observable effect well, I think the the two main things I would say was just long term use could uh, could be some problems there. Long term sure. use, I'm talking like 20 years, yeah. and then uh, just that they're developing human beings. That's the only thing I would say. It's like, oh man, I don't know, is this good or bad? I'm not saying either way. It just makes me question things. So, and I like to do that. I'm never going to shy away from that, Travis. I won't. No, you've got to uh, stop asking <laughs> questions. I'm big censorship, and I'm coming in to tell you to stop asking censor- your questions. <laughs> There it is. Big censorship's here. Uh, by the way, on uh, the Is It Safe show we d- just did with Luke, we came up with the Cheeto Depot. Would you be interested in going to a place called the Cheeto Depot if it existed? Um, you know what I'm really curious about is, do you ever start the the Is It Safe podcast and say, welcome to Cinema 9 podcast? Yes, I do. Okay, I've, I've mixed them all up. I've done all three. <laughs> hey, Palazzo. Yeah, I've done them all. I've done all that. That's It's been three years of that. I've certainly made that mistake. Cheeto I watched another... Cheeto Depot, yeah. I wouldn't Which, go there. I don't like Cheetos. I don't love Cheetos either, but I think... I know you know this, actually. And tell me that I'm not wrong. Tell me that I'm not wrong. Those fucking kids love flaming Hot Cheetos right now. They still do. Teenagers. Dude, did you see this guy that, like, 
sealed it in a vacuum proof, like earthquake proof crypt and buried it underground so that future civilizations could uncover a bag of flaming hot Cheetos. Look it up. This really happened. I don't know how much money it took for this guy to do it. He buried it underground. It's like in a sarcophagus. It's amazing. It's I really believe weird. It. It's I think that flaming hot Cheetos is for like the current generation what Guy Fieri was for us. <laughs> That's interesting. But I mean, you've taught some kids. Have you seen them eating flaming hot Cheetos? True or false? Not once. Really? Not that I recall. No. That's shocking. Okay, Taki. well, then I am wrong. They eat Takis or Takis, whatever that shit is. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Jack was eating those a few years back. Those took over. Maybe I'm living in my high school. When I was teaching 10 years ago, they were pounding Flamin' Hot Cheetos nonstop. So maybe that was that era. And it's over now. That's 10 years know. ago. It's like the fidget spinner. Uh, uh, tiddlywinks? <laughs> pogs? Mm, the paddle with like a ball and a rubber band attached to it? Yeah, a ball and a cup? A, uh, the hoop and a stick. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I want, uh, another documentary I watched is uh, Orgasm Incorporated. Ooh. How was that? Great, man. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so it, it's just, I don't know, I ate it up. It's about a woman who, I just missed all this, too. This happened in recent memory over the last six years. This place called One Taste became very popular. This woman had, you know, it's all out in tech, tech world in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So that's where a lot of the operations were. But they had places all over the country and the world where people were known as master strokers. That's, I mean, that's what they, they weren't even like trying, like that's what they're. So I'll, the only thing I'll say about this, it's not much of a spoiler. A mas, it was started as a place to master the female orgasm, which is like, okay, great. And master strokers would master the clit clitoris. That's what they did. And, okay. and there's like endless B roll in this doc. of just like, they blur everything out first off. So like, well, this is, Netflix. I mean, why do we have to blur things out? I mean, okay, whatever. It's not like I'm ready. Like, I got to see the nudity. It just seemed like you're you're willing to dive into all this shit, but then we have to like. It's just an American censorship thing that minorly yeah, bothers me. They released an N17 NC17 film this year, like just a few months ago. Like, you know, you can show a titty. Whatever. Yeah, it's, it's a paid service too. Yeah, I'm with you. So, well, they actually, th that's a weird thing. They kind of would show breasts, but they wouldn't show the bottoms, which is fucking stupid. Whatever. Oh, you it's know, America's detail. so afraid of dongs. Like, I know. know. They're afraid of dogs. They're afraid of vaginas. It's so yeah. stupid. It's but hilarious. so the master strokers master the clitoris, and it becomes a oh, big yeah. hit. Back with that. Problem happens when <laughs> the woman who runs it, who's got her own story. That's why you should. The main reason is to watch it, but this woman, why is she? There's always somebody at the top of these things. They're, they're, feeding you a line but initially you're like oh and they they really rely on people who they really want to believe in more than just what they see in front of them and they want to be part of a cause or like they want to see something ethereal or mysticism spirituality uh, there's more to this world than i i know right now i have that feeling inside of me and then that's how this shit happens is people go along with somebody and they manipulate them and when they started the program for dudes, that's when things went sideways. What a shocker. Now we're going to master stroke. We're master stroking clitori, clitorati. Now <laughs> we're master stroking dongs. And that's where things went sideways. I'm so surprised to hear that. What a shock. So anyways, a little teaser on that one. I definitely would recommend it, though. It's it's highly uh, interesting, entertaining, uh, fascinating. All right. I, dude, I watched, I've never saw these movies. Maybe I saw a few scenes when I was a kid, but I never... 
recall sitting down and watching the Mad Max movies, dude. I never what? did that. I know. None of them? Not I, even Thunderdome? No. I mean, I can remember a few scenes from my childhood, but I never really in my own functioning brain got to sit down and I'm putting on Mad Max. So did you never see Fury Road either? Oh, I definitely saw Fury Road. Oh, that was so great. You, just, you went just straight to Fury Road. That's weird. Well, I oh, thought I could so watch weird. Fury Road because oh, I'm like, okay. I, I played Mad Max the video game and shit too when I was little on NES. And I was, I, so I knew like gasoline was scarce and it was a fucking desert wasteland. So I had these like concepts in my mind, but I never you, you I just saw don't the, recall uh, watching them. Uh, what's that? What was that Tupac video? The California? Yeah. Yes. And I didn't get it. I didn't get it. <laughs> I was like, why are they like, why are they dressed up like that? I really didn't understand it. You must be doing some water world thing, but on on land. Yes, I was kind of thinking that. Like, yeah, okay. I, I don't know. I didn't question it. I was confused, so I guess I questioned it a little okay. bit. But anyways, the original Mad Max, it's not like... Okay, so I watched Mad Max. I'm like, okay, this is Mad Max. All right. It's not what I expected. It, it's, it's a little bit not what I was... What I know about Mad Max yeah. and the lore of Mad Max. It's yeah, the first one more... is you're getting off the ground pretty slowly with that one. Yeah, it's still kind of set in a world that's not too distant maybe from what the world was at the time, right? Yeah. yeah. Then Mad Max 2, Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. And wow, I mean, people talk about great sequels, The like Godfather 2, Terminator 2. Mad Road Max Warrior. 2 is fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking great movie. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Wasn't Jack Black in that one? In the Road Warrior? What, he was in one of them, right? He was like one of the airplane guys in either the second one or the third one. As a child? I mean, it's I, from yeah, 1981. Like, is, it, is, it, is it that young? Maybe I'm mistaken. I'll yeah, it's it for me. I mean, 79 and 81, those two movies came oh, out. Maybe so. I'm thinking of TMNT. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think that is, yes. Uh, Sam Rockwell's definitely in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I remember that. The original movie. But gosh, guys, if you've never seen the early Mad Max films, if you're like, ah, I'm not really into like those genres, strongly recommend you see the second one. Hell, you really could just see the second one and you don't have to see the first one. I mean, you could get away with it, but I would recommend you watch them both back to back. I have Thunderdome ready to go. I'm going to watch that this week, too. So I'm going to see Thunderdome, which uh, will be fun. Tina Turner, Thunderdome. I mean, I've said welcome to the Thunderdome to a lot of people in my life, but I never really seen the movie. It's kind of a, <laughs> it's kind of a dick move, right? Um, a little bit, but you know, uh, what are you going <laughs> to do? <laughs> anyway? Oh man, man, next to road warrior. I understand so much more about fury road. Now it's kind of like a reimagining, right? To see it that way. I'm just so puzzled that I, ha- oh no, he's in water world. That's, that's what I fucking, Oh, okay. Like. All right. Sorry. But that's that. right. Fury road is basically a, a reimagining kind of like a, of part two. Cause again, they got to drive a truck. This one was gasoline. Now this one's water. Right. So. Yeah, it's certainly very much still in the in the same universe, and it's even some of the same characters coming in, which is cool. Yeah, the guy who plays uh, whatever the, the immortal 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 Joe. Joe. Yeah, yeah, he was the guy from part one. one, or uh, who played? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, the guy who played uh, the bad guy in part one, who had like that. He was the Road Warrior crew. I believe yeah. it was him. It was like David Coe. He had a three hyphen name. Right, and he just passed a little shortly after. Oh uh, shit! Shortly oh, after fuck. Fury Road, but I'm glad he got to come back and do that because what a what a way to come back around. What's going on with your background, buddy? Yeah, my lights are fading now. That's what it is. I got a light crisis. It's really sad. Oh, light crisis. Yeah, look at this. Oh, this light weird. is dying. Yeah, I know. Look at that. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> 
It's going to yeah. just be a, a apparently a blue screen behind it. I thought it was a maybe. If I don't screen. move, I'll stay like this right here. It'll be okay. But that light Natural. is flickering. I bought that light almost over two years ago, so it's been a good ride on that bulb. I must say. <laughs> Anywho, yeah. Any so I watched day. that. Uh, finally, I wanted to mention that I watched uh, for the first time as well. Hot Fuzz. I said I, I watched the uh, 04 one. Uh, Shot of the Dead. Thank you. Yep. I finally watched that, loved it, and I had to watch Hot Fuzz. And boy, Where? Hot Fuzz. Yarp. Did... <laughs> yeah. Yarp. Yarp. Narp. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. And God, that movie's it. just fucking off the wall. It's yeah. so off the wall. Yeah. I've been I actually it. was thinking about bringing that one to the show for a while. So I'm, I'm glad that you actually have watched it. So if I do bring it, yeah. you would have a second go at it. That's good. Yeah. I feel like maybe I just want to turn my background off and have it be green because it's not fun for people to see that. Uh, yeah, we know, if you're tuning in, watching us on the YouTube, uh, then you probably, or you know, wherever you're listening, you're probably that. aware green. that we're going to be talking about backdraft. So, yeah, I'll just be on a green screen like this. Hey, I'm only human. Yeah. I'm only human. If you're watching this, you could take a screenshot of Mike and put him, you know, I don't know, in the Amazon, in, in, in Mad Max world, anywhere you want, in my room. Yeah. Put me in a killer porno or something. Put me in the one taste. Uh, like I'll make like a face. Like, yeah. There you, there go. you go. This is for one taste. Why? Okay. Why are you blurring this out? What the hell? <laughs> All right. So yeah. Uh, oh, the lights. Oh, that lights functioning again. Maybe that'll work again. All right. So mm-hmm. there it is. That's what I watched. That's a he watch. We hope you enjoyed that. That's what we recommend. Let's get into our main event now. Let's dive into the movie you selected, Travis. Backdraft. A 1991 film directed by the esteemed Ron Howard, with an appearance, of course, from his brother Clint. Of no course. father, though. His father wasn't in this one. Yep. So, no, he didn't uh, Rance? Rance Howard, Howard. yeah. Rance. Yeah. Uh, no Rance, but yeah, you got, no shit. Uh, Bobby De Niro and Kurt Russell and Jennifer Jason Lee and JT Walsh. JT Walsh and fucking Scott Glenn. Billy, William Baldwin. Oh, yeah, William so. Baldwin's in this movie, too. I guess he's a All right, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we're going to talk something about that for sure. Hey! Don't take that kind of shit from it! Don't let it know you're scared! Steven! Look out! You gotta wait for a host, Steven! No time! once upon a time do you remember the first viewing travis oh dude so i've actually i was a little i was a little nervous i still am a little nervous to do it just with you this episode because i knew that eric at least had some love for this movie because i've really made it a thing to not bring movies that i feel 
are like part of my identity onto the show very much. But this is a movie I have no idea the first time I watched it. I know it came out in May of 1991 and we had a, a VHS copy in our home before the end of the year. And I watched the fuck out of that movie. Not maybe as much as Sneakers or Scrooge, which we also did. Uh, but man, I've seen this movie so many times. And it's been a really long time since I've seen it. But it's just like for a long time, it's been the kind of movie where like if I see Eric, all you know, one of us could potentially say, let me go, bull. You go. <laughs> we go. I mean, when I had um, that band with our buddy Jess Peak, we had a song called Trip to Chloride uh, in parentheses. You go. We go. Uh, I've, I've wow. been a big fan of this movie for a long time, even though I haven't seen it. And I really had no idea how I was going to feel about it watching it the night before last because I'm like, I I pretty sure it's probably a hokey mess by this point but uh i sure loved it as a kid okay wow i'll tell you what this movie reminded me of was newspapers because this movie came out like you said 91 and i i remember this vividly the advertisements in the newspaper backdraft a lot of talk about backdraft uh everywhere for a while when i was a kid yeah and so that stuck with me and it reminded me how much i used to love like looking at the advertisements for movies that were yeah. playing or coming soon in the newspaper. I, I would, I read the newspaper all the time when I was 11, 12 years old, I, 10 years old. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was like, it was knowledge. It was like, Oh, wow. I just sucked it all up. You know? Yeah. What's going on in the world? Yeah. And mainly entertainment and sports. Those are the two sections I would basically read. So and the comics. Oh yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. Course. Yeah. Can't get Ziggy. So, mm. um, but I never Kathy. saw this movie. I, I never saw this movie and maybe I did once because about, what was that? 10? I don't know. I was thinking when I started the movie to watch it for the, what I thought was the first time I was like, I feel like Robert De Niro's in this movie, but am I mixing this up with Copland? <laughs> I wasn't sure. Like, but he, sure enough, he is in this movie. So maybe I did see it once, maybe, but I didn't have much. There's a lot of stuff. It was all new to me. I was I was like watching it, like oh yeah, what's gonna happen? I so I really didn't have any yeah. recall. I mean, speaking of like, that's another huge quote for me. Is like, I mean, like if I drop something, I'd be like, hey, kid, I think we got a little problem here. <laughs> that's <laughs> thrown out many times. That's funny. That's a good one. I like that one. Uh, so you have a lot of love for this in your life. There's a nostalgic recall, but does IMDb feel the same way, Travis? That's the big question here. Well, I'm thinking if this had come out when IMDb was a thing, because it was such a huge hit, this would be like in the nines or something. (laughs) No, not but like the eights, but probably not going to be that high. But still, I feel like it's probably pretty beloved, even though it's certainly a little cheesier than uh, the average blockbuster these days. I'm going to say 7.1. Okay, yeah. Uh, upon watching it, uh, it's the cast is strong, very strong, very big. Uh, Ron Howard movie was a big hit. I'm going to say it's a 7.5. I'm going to go that high. Okay, all right. Whoops, 6.7. Wow. 6.7. Right. Okay, well, well six is, maybe they blame William Baldwin. Uh, he's not the greatest leading man. I don't hate him in this, but he's. I mean, there's a reason why he hasn't done a ton as the lead actor before or since, I think. Yes, uh, maybe it's not fair to say this, that he is just a pretty face. It's not fair maybe to say that, but maybe it's too much. Maybe he's just like too pretty and people are like, this guy's too pretty. But his brother, you know, Alec looks very similar and he had a pretty prosperous career. Yeah, but he he just had more of a, 
a gravitas and it factor and, and uh, a better a better actor frankly i feel like so. well, yeah a better actor and also a little little pudgier a little more rounded he out did. maybe a little more believable like because william baldwin especially in this movie it's very i mean he, his face is like carved for mice <laughs> it is it's that's why i said he's so pretty Ooh, he's so pretty yeah he's a pretty pretty handsome fella on uh, backdraft for rotten tomatoes why did I say it like that? Back like there's a backdraft for Rotten Tomato. It's <laughs> its own website. Seventy-five percent a tie both ways, Travis. That's wow. unusual. We don't usually see that. Yeah, no, we do not, Michael. Seventy-five percent. So when we read these critical reviews, we're going to be going back, I think, to the uh, a long time ago, the nineties. So we're going to get Eves, maybe some Gene Siskel, maybe some uh, Gene <laughs> Shalley. Dean Shallot. Yeah, I think we hit all the big ones there. Yeah. Uh, was, there a, was there a female? Was a very popular critic in like the 80s? I can't um, think of one. I'm thinking I, of, um, not that it was on TV. Um, I wish I could say, <laughs> I wish I could say that the answer is yes. It's kind of tough. No, no one's leaping to mind. I think it speaks to the time, frankly. It's, well, uh, it's yeah. just how it was. It's how it was. Not anymore, though. I mean, Oh, we have a lot of women critics today that are killing it, and some of my favorites. All right, so let's go. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Well, we got Dustin Thompson. He chimed in on this. So obviously he watched this a few years later, but yeah. it's it's the first review here. It's dated January 1st, 2000. So Dustin, all right, right. This could have been from the year 2000. It could have been in the late 90s or something, but I know the website's in the year 2000. I know the website started in 2000, so maybe they just start from there. Uh, who knows? Anyways. Destin Thompson, Washington Post top critic, says, Director Howard is so mesmerized by the flames, he squirts formulaic lighter fluid over everything. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's one of Destin's best. Uh, squirts formulaic lighter fluid. That's pretty funny. Over yeah. everything. Well done, that. Destin. He clearly splatted that one, in case mm. you're wondering. 75% both ways. Remember, folks, uh, Ebes, Roger Ebert. Ebes. The scenes involving fire are so good that they make me recommend the movie anyway, despite <laughs> its despite its brain damaged screenplay. And brain I gotta tell damage. you, Jesus! Wow, that is terrible. You're right. It's good harsh. heavens! Uh, who wrote this movie, by the way? Do we? Um, uh, this Jeffrey Wyden. Gregory Wyden. Uh, Gregory Wyden. Yeah, which you might know him from writing Backdraft Two. Oh yeah, it's true. Which came out a couple years ago, right? Yeah, or like a year ago. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I have to get drunk and watch that someday. You didn't have like a nostalgic, oh, I'm going to watch Backdraft 2? I didn't want to poison the well. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Uh, other parts of Gregory Wyden's CV as a writer, he wrote The Prophecy. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's that actually is still a pretty good movie. I watched that not that long ago. Oh, uh, The Prophecy 2 as well. So. Well, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Uh, he wrote, I could lay you out and fill your mouth with your dead. Mu- whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a really good. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> he also uh, he wrote Highlander. He's responsible for all the Highlanders. The, the original. He wrote, he wrote the original Highlander. He sure did. I'm, well, so this is a very accomplished screenwriter. Then he's a uh, yeah. m- much bigger deal than I realized. So, right. yeah, I had I neither did I. But unfortunately, uh, it kind of just goes sideways from there. It looks like. Uh, he didn't do the original Hellraiser. He kind of jumped in on Hellraiser. Again, prophecy. He loves the word prophecy, I guess. So. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, that's Gregory Wyden's career. So he definitely he did some legit stuff here, folks. So if you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you want to rip on him for writing this, uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, we'll talk about that. But I will say this right now. Since Eve said it, Travis. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the displays of real life, no CGI fire in this film are incredible. It's As a first-time viewer, in 2022, I am blown away. I really am. Dude, um, one of the movies I left off my list of what I've been watching is because I'm watching it with my high school, one of my high school classes, my seniors. Uh, I'm watching Titanic, you know, from from 1997, mm-hmm. and watching that movie, I'm like, God damn, this is so much more CGI than I remember at all. I'm just like every shot of the ship. I'm like, man, it's just like a big computer image. Look at that thing floating around, and having that in my mind, and then watching Backdraft, I'm just like, man, there is not a there is not a a, a false moment in terms of effects and and the sound quality the audio mixing mm-hmm. I, I i i can't think of another movie that we've reviewed where i made a note to myself like holy shit the sound uh, mixing is incredible but it is <laughs> huh. i i didn't catch it i i didn't have anything negative to say about the sound either so i'm, well, I'm on board of- well, especially with the fire, the way it like pops and like hisses uh, yes, and like whines, yes. and, like like when that's burning, like it's so complex. I love it. I like that. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely a, right about that. It's a sound design, I guess. But yeah, well, either way, yeah, it's done really, really well. I agree with that. Yeah. So the fire blew me away in this. It, <laughs> I don't know if it, I know. I keep saying blown away, and I'm thinking the dumb. <laughs> well, Jeff that movie's, Bridges, a, that movie's uh, been on my list too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, okay. Well, hey, it I definitely watched hit. it when I was a kid. I, yeah. I watched it when I was a kid several really? times, but I feel like it sucks now. Probably. I, don't I know thought that this for would sure. suck. We'll see. Well, we'll find out. Uh, let's see. Any other reviews? Uh, some uh, uh, people no. doing things. Uh, Talking about that movie uh, with fire in it. That, yeah, those, that uh, brain damage script. Uh, <laughs> what about Shallot? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Dean Shallot? Nah, no shallots. None of the other big hitters that you mentioned. So, uh, I don't know. Let's try a uh, Emmanuel Levy. Do you know who that is? I, the name sounds familiar, but it could be full of shit. An extremely old-fashioned tale about heroic firefighters, rival siblings, with some good special effects. This is a typical Ron Howard picture in its middle-brow sensibility and sentimentality. Which... He did gain a reputation for himself, but like, what what had he done before Backdraft? I mean, uh, uh, he did uh, Splash, and then he did uh, Cocoon, Cocoon uh, right. and then uh, I'm trying to think of the late '80s. Uh, yeah, there was probably I'm, something else that's there. I'm blanking too. It's like what, what was? Um, I guess I can look on the internet. I think I he took it. a he might have took a little break there, and then came back with Backdraft off the top of my head because like he had a family that he actually cared about or something. But I could what? be wrong about that. I'm as not well. sure about that. But uh, uh, what he cares? He's a good family man, Rod Howard. I think he's a good dude. He always was. Oh, dude, I have, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I make jokes. I'm just making jokes. Okay. Oh, uh, he did Parenthood, of course. How could I forget Parenthood no, and, no. and Willow? Love- Fucking Willow. Okay. Willow is what I was thinking, but I couldn't quite place if that was him. And it was. Okay. So There's no I don't break. feel. Yeah. You know, looking at this list of Gung Ho. Yeah. I love Gung Ho. Fucking great movie. I, I, I'm kind of feeling like this more like to me set that tone for that kind of um how can i put this nicely I, i'm not i want to say prosaic or middle class but um very like you know what i mean like this and apollo 11 and like or excuse me apollo 13 and ransom like there's there's there, like the the big hits of the 90s had a very like middle of the road kind of broad appeal and, and i don't know that willow and 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 some of this other stuff quite had that but and parenthood had that i think i, I yeah. think it's very 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 part of that what you're just i never saw it far and away i never did see that i'd remember it being a that's like his sweeping deal. epic like i'm gonna make my american out of africa 
<laughs> I did see the paper about a year ago, and it does fit into the profile that you are describing. So yeah. I okay. will say that. Right. Uh, anyway, yeah. So so Ron Howard directed this. Some people liked it. Some people didn't. Uh, Anton says. It's Martin Scorsese's, oh, 80th birthday. What are your favorite films? Well, we're talking about Backdraft right now. I'm sorry, Anton, but I would love to talk about, you know, since it's Marty's birthday, what his favorite films are. And we'll, we'll put that on the back burner, and we'll get back to you on that. Thanks for being here, Anton. So, okay, I'm impressed by what I saw on screen. Mind-blowing, really incredible in this day and age to this very moment. I'm impressed, and I will not take anything away from what we saw physically and set the sets and i mean i i, I want to dive into even more about hey how did this park get made how did i want to learn a lot about that it really makes me interested to learn more about how this movie was made you know i'm really happy that at some point in my life i actually went to the backdraft uh theme park attraction that used to be at oh. universal studios they actually moved it to japan's universal studios and it's still going over there but i really? remember yeah but i remember going there and seeing that and like watching how all this stuff would light up and it looked like this big incredible like you know barrels are flying and stuff and then they could just reset <laughs> it and just put everything right back and just do it again like this is amazing i was like i was i was when backdraft was still new i was like 12 or 13 you know yeah, that, really that awesome. would be awesome. I'd like yeah, to see that. That was great. I want to see that. It sounds like fun. Uh, so, yes, it's a tale of a... So they start the movie with a man who dies right away. It's Kurt Russell, by the way. So how do we, yeah. be, how do yeah. we feel about this? Because I got really confused as a first-time viewer. I knew you would be. And you, know, you know what's really funny is never before in my whole life had I ever noticed, because I was a kid for most of the times that I saw it, I guess, I never noticed that it was him playing him. I knew it was yeah. some guy like who looked like him or something. I don't know. Or maybe I knew and just didn't care and forgot. I'm more interested in the fact that, that fucking, uh, fucking David Crosby shows up for uh, a, a scene be like, hey, get all my stuff out. That's him like in the very <laughs> beginning telling him to get, get his stuff up. There's my stuff up there. It's David it was? Crosby. Yeah, it's David Crosby. I'm not even kidding. Literally hmm. him. I, I have no idea I believe why. you. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, I do odd. know that seeing the mustache on Kurt Russell's face in the beginning of the film, I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, so, oh, Kurt Russell in this movie. I'm good. But then, so when the father, him, dies, I really didn't believe, I kept waiting for him to come out. I'm like, oh, he'll come out. Kurt Russell's in this movie. I mean, I how you were doing that. I'm certain Kurt <laughs> I'm certain Kurt Russell's a big part of this film. He's one of the leading men. So, oh, <laughs> yes. no, he really does die. And the kid is there to see the death. And there's a photographer right in the kid's face at that moment. I actually really like this part of the movie because it makes me think of, like, Me Lai or, like, you know, like the girl running from the, the, the nuclear, in the Vietnamese girl running from, like, the nuclear, uh, you know, well, not nuclear, but you know what I mean? The, the phosphorus. Yeah, the... Uh, and, and, like, all of these yeah. people that in in history who have had, like, this terrible, tragic moment that they're just forced in their face to remind them and, and forever uh, identify with mm. them because of the way that media... I mean, like, I love... You can see the photographer, like, like snap a couple pictures of the kid and then kind of glance up and then move on. And it's like, because this is just a fucking <laughs> job to him, just a moment. But it's, you know, it's so I, I really, I really like that. And I liked how it kind of plays in throughout the rest of the movie and how it, even still at his age, like he's not just riding um, the Brian character. He's not just riding still on his father's coattails, but on that fucking picture, how that, you know, like the, the way Swayzak wants to pose with him in public and hire him and the way that like uh, Ronald is, you know, it's like a, an in with Ronald, the arsonist. Uh, so it, it sets him up in all these ways. And as you know, someone that uh, 
I mean, like, I think everyone can think of something from their childhood that they did that was like a one-off thing. I wrote this fucking poem about a possum getting run over when I was in fifth grade. And to this day, in my mid-40s, I'll have, like, family members, oh, yeah, the opossum poem. I'm like, how do you remember this? <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, that... Huh. Okay. Shit. I... <sighs> I just the Kurt Russell thing. I got over it pretty quickly because it didn't like hold me up. But for a few minutes, I'm like, "What the fuck? Okay, what's going on yeah. here? All right, this is what's happening. All right, uh, I'm just gonna accept it and move forward." He looks just like his dad because he's his son. What a shocker! So, yeah. All right, whatever. And then of course we we're set up. We got so it's made very clear early in the film what a loser, or what a uh, a what would be the term? A guy who kind of just never puts his self into his work he's always drifting he's a drifter he's constantly drifting from one job to another and everybody loves ripping on baldwin's character uh which is called who what's his name brian uh, uh yeah, thank you brian. brian mccaffrey and stephen mccaffrey are kurt russell right. and Bold. william baldwin so yeah but yeah so he did you catch on to that quickly that uh, Brian McCaffrey, you know, that bartender gave him shit. And then his girlfriend, who he has this, or his former girlfriend, who Jennifer Jason Lee, just she mm-hmm. shows up and seen each other in a while. And it's all happening on this night that he's graduated from Firefighting Academy. And his buddy, who you fucking know is going to die from the oh, moment yeah. I saw him on screen he because he he's so excited. Okay, fine. He lives. What, but I knew he was going to get fucked up. Yeah, he gets fucked up. <laughs> Jason yes. Gedrick. It was yeah. just so obvious because he was so excited about firefighting oh, and yeah. Brian wasn't. Right. No, totally. But, I, you know, watching the movie this time as an adult, uh, getting more into Brian's character. Because as a kid, I was like, oh, he's a fuck up. And just kind of left it at that. But watching it now, I was like, oh, he's like been running from the family business for his whole life. Like he he feels like this is what he's supposed to do, but he's afraid that he won't be good enough to do it. So like it's like this fucking thing kind of always hanging over him that he's not going to be good enough. He's not going to be as good as his older brother. He's not going to be as good as his father. Not going to be as good as Adcox who raised him. And but at the same <laughs> time, like he doesn't think that he's really qualified to do anything else. So like finally, he, he so he's even like left home. To like try and like yeah. do the do you know make his way elsewhere, but finally it's like okay, I I, I submit. I, this is what I need to do with my life, and I come back and I'll do the thing. And everyone's giving him shit, and he's like, I'm gonna do it anyway. And and his bully, his brother fucking bullies him out of it. Oh well, okay, yeah, that's fine. Eric says, uh, do you think Kurt Russell and Billy Baldwin argued on the set about whose eyes were bluer? That's Eric, our co-host, who's yeah. in bed. I think they argued or who had the most twitchy cheek. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the intensity uh, early on in that early part of the movie. Yeah, where they're like, oh, oh wait, no. I'm actually, you know what's funny? Kurt Russell, like, uh, I would watch- in, in the fight scene in the bar or, or in the, the party. His, and also and at the end. Time. Right. But what were you going to say? I actually mixed it up with a movie I didn't mention that I watched again, uh, Billy oh. Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. And so while well, they're all sitting, at, they're all these military guys were at a funeral. And you, I really noticed it last night. All of their jaws were so clenched and their cheeks were coming through like the muscles were coming through their cheeks so i it's exactly what i thought of when you said that just a side note all right anyways yeah so kurt russell and billy we call him billy or william uh, billiam <laughs> not stephen baldwin wait there's a billy baldwin is billy baldwin not william baldwin is there another billy am i making no, that no, up no, no, no billy billy baldwin is william baldwin oh, okay good i just want to make the sure I got that. there's an Adam baldwin as no, well but he's not related though Oh, shit. Okay. Wow, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. yeah so, really... Kurt Russell and William Baldwin are brothers who go head-to-head in this film. And then you've got Scott Glenn, who plays John Adcox, who's, yeah. uh, he saw, he was there. His father saved Adcox. That's 
they lost their father because Adcox lived. And so, of course, Adcox raised the boys the best he could and was like their mentor. And, and then you got Rebecca de Mornay as the separated mm-hmm. wife of Kurt Russell's character, Stephen. And uh, things aren't going well there, as we find out very early on in the film. So uh, that's nice. Rebecca de Mornay, you know, uh, she was a beautiful woman. Uh, but I actually think she's a solid actress. I always did. I feel like she got a little bit short change in her career. I really do. I mean, I've always thought that she was fine, but I feel like there's other actors or actresses that from the era that I felt like were stronger that got more more short. I mean, like I would like to see more Kelly McGillis. Um, I think Barbara Hershey's great. I think there's uh, <laughs> uh, Karen Allen went away when she shouldn't have. I, th- I think that there's a lot of people from like her era that I think were better. But that's just uh, Annabeth no, Gish is still working. Thank God, I love Annabeth Gish. She's so great. Hey, hand the rocks a cradle. Demirne was awesome. She would kill it in that movie. Yeah, and well, I will always ride on that hill. But okay, in this movie, uh, you know, Jennifer Jason Lee to me doesn't fit in this movie. Uh, it just kind of—I was like, I love Jennifer Jason Lee. I'm a big fan know. of her work, especially what she's done in the You're latter right, half though. of her career. She was not the, oh. like I did. No, I totally agree. Like there's there's something too punkish about her. Like I don't like I don't buy her working for City Hall. I just don't like there's, yes! something, there's something about her delivery. Like she's way too like like got like, the cynical delivery or something. Like she's she's like she's too gritty and in a good way. I, I yeah. just didn't, I it just needed someone more. I'm like uh, like maybe Elizabeth Shue at the time would have been a, a better fit. Ooh. Um, something like that. But, I, mean, I, I think that she does the. I think she does the job fine. But no, you're right. I I don't think it was the the best casting for it, the character. Oh yeah, I am glad you said that. I completely agree. She's a person who was down on her luck, and you know, JT Walsh's character took her out of nothing, and now she was Swayzak's right hand woman running the office, and there just was Jennifer Jason Lee is too good of an actress, and she has a certain edge to her now that. Looking at it from this lens, maybe at the time it made more sense, but now I'm like, yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. So, Do you know what an alderman then, is? You know, yeah, you know, I was so I assume this this movie is in Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's what they call councilmen. Really, the, right. there's all these sections of the city, and aldermen city run those sections of the city. Yeah, yeah. So like commissioner, I actually council learned that. Good. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, but like I think it's so funny every time I watch a movie and they and like someone's treating the like an alderman like they're the goddamn president of the United States. I'm like, let's all just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> like, would you recognize I, your alderman or your councilman if they walked by? I mean, like, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> a guide to recognizing your aldermans. If my mayor, yeah, if the mayor of, if the mayor of Hazel Park walked into my room right now, I'd be like, What the f- who are you? Why are you in my house? <laughs> <laughs> That is really funny. Yeah, but it it did take me right. I'm like, oh, I know what aldermans are. We're Chicago. Great. So and it doesn't have to tell me. It's like it didn't shove Chicago down my throat. It didn't have any of the guys from The Fugitive in it who are always local Chicago actors either. So it, kudos it to Ron have, Howard. Um, Jack, what's his name? Jack, uh, Jack, Mc, uh, Jack McGill, the, 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 the kind of tubby guy. Oh, that, the guy. Yeah, you know yeah. Like it yeah, didn't him. have that guy. He's like yeah. always, he's always in Chicago movies. I can't think of his name. Uh, but he's a, other, he's also he's in a lot of uh, blue collar move like he's a cop yeah. he's a firefighter yeah yeah right. that makes that makes sense roundish character actor from the nineties act <laughs> something well it's, that's an early role for him because I really got more familiar with him in the two thousands the late nineties so like he's in the fighter uh, two thousand ten movie anyways that's not important but yeah that's a good call you're right so this movie takes place in Chicago we got two brothers who are pissed and this battle the first 40 minutes i i just didn't recognize it but it really was a different tone it's like 
I didn't think he was going to give up, and I guess he gives up. You know, he really does. The yeah. He's like, all right, you win, Steven. I'm leaving and giving up on this firefighter dream. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think so. The, the the term like formulaic was thrown around by the great Dustin Thompson earlier, and I think in a lot of ways yeah. this movie is very formulaic. But in other ways, I think it's surprising that he leaves the the fire. The, the, you know that he leaves station 17 and like quits the fire department i think that's a big mm-hmm. twist i think that's really surprising and, and something yes! you see coming and i think that there's also a lot of things infused in this movie that make it just like more believable like when jason gedrick and uh and william baldwin are showering together and gedrick's just like gargling water and like spit there's no reason for him to be doing that it's just a very realistic moment or, like the lady falling out of the chair for some reason on the, on the, on the <laughs> yes! there's, there's all these scenes in the movie that just kind of like are these surprisingly realistic scenes for a clear like summer block well i guess it was late may but still i mean like a kicking off the summer blockbuster kind of thing good call i think I'm glad we brought this up because, yeah, we started where the scriptwriter and Gary Wyden was getting shit on here, and yep. he wrote some good mo- he wrote some good movies, and I think the script isn't. I don't used to. I mean, he used the words like it was hokey or cheesy in the beginning, or maybe you remembered it that way, or maybe you were just saying that now because well, people say that. I'm not sure. You can clarify, but I I thought like so. I grew up loving the movie, and that you know, there's all right. Bruce Hornsby is a big part of this movie, and I fucking love. I, ah! Shit! I want right? to bring it up first. Fuck. Sorry, sorry. Got there first. Yeah, so you beat I, me. You beat I, me. I grew up loving the way it is, and Damn and it. scenes from the South Side, especially the way it is. But and also this the album that this is on. But then like I got like I stopped listening for like ten years or so because I'm like no, I can't listen to them. It's not cool. <laughs> I can't listen to Phil Collins anymore. You know that kind of stuff. And and then I kind of went back to it and went like, oh no, this is still fucking great. It it, it never got cheesy. I just got like jaded and um and afraid to be vulnerable or something. And I think that's Ooh. kind of how this movie is too, a little bit. Like it, it there is some early nineties um you know popcorn stuff happening here where it's very like, especially with that Hans Zimmer score, you know, uh, and many <laughs> slow motion shots but uh there is an earnestness i think to the film and a uh something like this embrace of heroism but flawed heroism that i find yeah like there's a vulnerability to that that i think i was being unfair to okay yeah well shit i'm so pissed right now that because i as soon as that there's one montage in this movie and it's a bruce yeah yeah, it's a bruce montage (laughs) and as soon as oh yeah well that's I mean Bruce Hornsby is good. I'm not he's, he's I'm not great. shitting on Travis for loving Bruce Hornsby, but I know that about him. So when I saw that in the movie, I was like, "Oh shit, this is why he likes this movie." That was like <laughs> the first thing popped in my head because he loves Bruce Hornsby so much and that was the montage well, of the film. That which era is cool. Hornsby anyway. But yeah. Yeah. So it, it's Okay, that a, era, sorry. And 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 that that montage while we're, while we're on it, I, I love the way that it starts off. There's because the dynamic between Steven and Bull's character is so great. Like it starts off with them kind of like in competition, running up the running up the the stairs together. Run, damn you! Um, and then they get to the top, and, and then like they're kind of laughing, and then it's like awkward because now they're alone, and they kind of have to face off, and they have to work shit out, and then they're kind of friendly again. It's like this constant. Another moment that like that really made me think of that too, and it also kind of made me think of 
improv now i've never done like acting work or improv work but as i understand it really acting it's common for people to be like a b one person goes c and then the other person goes d you know you have to like in, like they're just saying n- nonsense but you like infuse it with meaning as like an acting yeah. exercise so when the, the toast scene happens around like the firehouse table then and and uh, scott glenn gives that big toast and then it's like fuck you fuck you i love the looks on their faces because like kurt russell's character is like hey fuck you and like you, you have like this you can see it's like i love you but like it's <laughs> complicated and then like brian is like fuck you and it's like it really means fuck you so i i just love the dynamic yeah. between their characters and that they they i think they play really convincing brothers here i completely agree i'll give you that all the way i think you know, we already talked about Baldwin and his beauty, and he's, I don't think he's, I don't think he was shitty in this role, though. I thought he nope. did a fine job, actually. I, I, It's easy to shit on him for because I'm not as handsome as him, but he did a good job in the role, and I want that to go on the record. Good job, Mr. William Baldwin. I don't know why it didn't work out for you for more of these leading roles, as we talked about earlier, but hey, them's the breaks. But him and Kurt Russell, they have a chemistry. Um, That's my brother, goddammit. Him, that's right. Him and uh, him and Robert De Niro when he starts working for the inspector, yeah. not so Rick much. I, yeah, I think there's less of a chemistry there, but uh, yeah. maybe that's yeah. just De Niro's De Niro. So I don't know. I I could say that, but the fact that he works for him and gives up, and yeah, that twist was huge to me. And the fact that the movie leads you in a direction where it really does seem like Stephen McCaffrey's the bad guy because he's such a loose cannon and he's got the shit in his boat, which comes back to haunt him later, but it's not him. I think that's good writing, too. Adcox being the guy, like, oh, shit, it's Adcox. Once you see that outlet burn on his shoulder in the later scene, where, oh, by the way, by the, okay, by the way, too, like, the fact that him and his woman, Jennifer Jason Lee and Baldwin, are getting it on on a fire truck that ends <laughs> up going to the place where, if I'm going to rip on the script, I got to shit on the script for that. Yeah, that's really, really bad, but seeing... Adcox having that burn mark of the outlet on him in that scene is like, oh shit, it's him. Okay, wow, cool. Yeah. But it also, it, yeah, it gets him there and it kind of like serves two points at once because it kind of is closure for the him and his ex girlfriend character because they're pretty much done after that and you think they're going to be, you think they're going to be together and it, does, it doesn't really seem like they do end up working out. That's true. And then You're it right. also, and it also, so, but you think the whole like, oh, it's so romantic and all this stuff is going on and it turns out to be traumatic. And that's also one of the things I really liked about the movie is that there's this weird like kind of like party atmosphere every time they show up and like everyone's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, this is this is great. But then every time that even though, you know, and the firemen themselves have that and like and other people will kind of have that, but then something really real happens, like like the probie gets burnt or like someone gets hurt and, and, and it's like, okay, the, you know, now we got to get serious. And I, I think the movie walks a pretty good line of making the job or at least making the movie fun. And then, but also like, well, there's real consequences here. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. that, that there's just a few things in the script. You're like, okay, whatever that's stupid, but you're going to get that in a standard, like Hollywood mainstream blockbuster type film. So 90s. I can live with that. Yeah. Especially since it's Anything so old, 31 stick years out old. To you? Anything stick out? 31 uh, years old. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I covered that the the top of the fire truck part. Yeah. Um, JT Walsh. We should talk about his character. You know, he's this guy with this. Swayzak. These people. Are, 
Swayzak's getting blown. He almost gets blown up, and that's what happens when uh, think I got a problem here. Yeah. Uh, when De Niro gets stabbed with the uh, fence post area, but all his cronies are the fact that this is built around cronies shutting down fire departments to build community centers that lead to their contracts. I think that's solid. I think that works for me. I don't really have any other beasts with this script. And I like the way that early on in the film, we they're doing that warehouse fire and they're waiting for backup. And like, there's like, there's no backup coming. Yes. And, and, and they, and that's kind of it. They kind of leave it like there. So they, they plant the seed, but they don't beat you about the head with it. Cause then yes. you're like, later on, you're like, Oh, that's why that's how they're killing firemen. They're closing fire. It's not like they're like actively killing firemen, but like they're closing firehouses. And as a result, they're putting, they're overburdening the, the firemen that they do have. And that's leading to deaths. And so yeah. I thought it really like worked well in terms of showing the con again, the consequences of political corruption and how that plays out like in, in real lives. I thought that was cool. And I love a sympathetic villain, which Adcox is truly a sympathetic villain when he's trying to get bull to like not take the proby with him and like trying to like guide things. Cause like he knows what's actually going on. Cause he's a fucking villain, but he's also trying to like, uh, do you know i couldn't let it go he's trying to like do this thing and punish these people and it's justified you're like yeah fuck sway zach yeah and, and graves and hargrove or whatever the fuck their names are but then you you also i was with steven like you burn people man our jobs to yeah. not let that happen so Who doesn't love yeah, it, it, it creates this challenge this dichotomy where yeah i think you really are torn and that's really not all that common in these types of movies. It's unfortunate that the final big, I, I wasn't surprised, but it's got to be some epic final murder yeah. fire, of course, because it's the final one, which turns me off a little bit, but it, it didn't take me too much out of that scene where these guys have the showdown, where it's, wow, this is but happening right now. We're trying to talk this out. Right, but that's it. They talk it out. Their showdown, they literally ha are armed with axes ready to have a big fucking epic fight on a catwalk over fire. Which is, would be e really easy to shoot that and make it. And yes. people would love that. Yep. But that's not the kind of movie this is. There's a real emotional core to this movie. And instead, they slack in and they drop their axes because they're really like father and son. I mean, Adcox only says it once, but he says that he raised Brian. And yeah. of course, Bull says that he raised Brian too. But I mean, this is like, they're, they're not, it would have, it really wouldn't have made sense for them to fight. And it makes so much more sense. God damn, the look on Adcox's face when he's on fire. He's the killer. He's on fire. If he, if Bull doesn't let him go, they're both going to die. And the look on his face when he tells him to let him go and, and Bull says, you go, we go, like that look of, I mean, like I've always been focused on the look on Kurt Russell's face when he looks at his brother and all that stuff. But watching this time, like fucking man, Scott Glenn can act. He's so good. That look of just like he knows he can't convince him. Otherwise, he's not going to be able to. And it's such a lost cause. But he's so great in this movie. Yeah, he sure is. And then Brian ends up as a hero in a way that's not too forced either. Uh, eh, the whole like coming around the corner at once, like, hey, I got you. And he's like, I don't know. The way his shot is kind of a little goofy when he's like spraying down the water, but it's, it's fine. It's, uh, it's the climax, really. Yeah, well, the overall way it's earned to me is reasonable. Yeah. But yeah, there's some bullshit in the middle there, of course, <laughs> within the details. But yeah. how it ends, and uh, they also have to tie it all up. Hey, we'll get Swayzak. We've got him. We busted him. And it all gets tied up. And now Brian is, he's the guy who helps the probies of the future. And he's got that smile on his face, that look, and the, uh, you know. You know, he's the old it, Kurt Russell dies too. That's that he don't. I thought it seemed yeah. like it'd be really easy to save his life. Like, oh, he's Dude. already in the ambulance. He's gonna live, but he doesn't live. They, when they when they put him in the ambulance, one of the one of the one of the 
fireman says, oh, he's going to make it. And, you're like, and it really seems like he's going to make it. Even watching it this time when I've seen it so many times, I know that he died. <laughs> I'm like, it really, it really does seem like he's going to make it. And, and I, feel like, I feel like there was probably some producers who were like, no, he's got to live. But it was the right call to have him die because I don't know that Brian's character would be able to get to that next level in, in a film sense. How yeah. weird is it that Kurt Russell was younger than us filming this, by the way? But whatever. I, I'm always hung up on the age of, of he characters. he looks very he looks very young to me. And I'm like, oh wow, he's so baby faced in this movie. He does yeah. look baby faced to me. Right. Like thirty nine uh, or so. Uh, Eric says, where's all the fire movies after Backdraft? Letter 49 was trash. By the way, do you know the answer to this? Uh, what, what makes something a ladder company and an engine company? Or those like, do you understand the terminologies there? I was thinking about that um, when I was watching this movie. So I know that the I don't know about ladder versus engine. I do know that the, that the word company comes from the fact that these were originally firms. These were businesses. Um, this was not oh. uh, a socialized thing where like a local government would pay for it. Initially, back in the day, fire companies were like private businesses, and your house would be on fire, and two companies would show up, and you just pay like a one. Seen great, uh, really well done in uh, Gangs of New York when those two fire companies oh, battled, remember? Exactly. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's, yeah. And, and that's it, exactly. And they were often corrupt and would like start fires or uh, run in and like throw things out and stuff like that, which is yeah. a reason. I mean, I, I showed that to uh, my high school, my, my seniors somewhat recently yeah. too, because it's very authentic, that movie and a lot of the uh, cultural stuff happening in the early mid 19th century. I didn't know the background on that, but it makes less sense to see that now. That's so authentic, even more authentic for. Uh, Gangs in New York. No need to ever do it on the show. We know it holds up. So, uh, or do we? I don't know. No. Ah, I think we do. Yeah. Ooh, uh, uh. So, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Where else Ron should we go with Ronald? This film? We, have, we need to talk Donald Sutherland a little bit more. Uh, uh, yeah, that was the, my next. The, the arsonist Hannibal Lecter, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> oh, you got muted. I don't know why they muted you. I do know that. I didn't expect a second scene with him. So when we get the first scene, I'm like, okay, so he shows up for this one like drawn out yeah. part where uh, we get a lot of background about what happened to Shadow and such. And But then we get to a big showdown at the end with him and Brian one-on-one -on -one where he has to admit to him to get, just like you said, Hannibal Lecter style, I want to get what I want before I give it to you, which yeah. this came out a year after Silence of the Lambs. So is this an obvious ripoff? Well, and the book came out of Silence of the Lambs well before this too. So I, I do think there's something, I think that, that, that there's something happening here in relationship to that, but that's okay because it's not the, the central focus of the movie. And I think that Donald Sutherland's character is so unique and well-played the like childlike kind of glee that he has about murdering people about uh about anything fire related the 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 joy in his face when he realizes when he asks billy baldwin if he had seen the animal in it and he's like immediately knows that he has which i know that's so phony like fire is not a real thing but i also love that about the way this movie's done like the, the script and the way it's shot that the, the fire is almost like this uh I, I like a character almost in and of itself this like this, this i like this, that this I, I did like that i like the way de niro describes it yes there's physics that we understand but the fire has it's it's a living thing i thought that, that was pretty well done that scene though that scene for one where he's like spraying lighter fluid and like lighting on a fire i'm like are you really gonna light the building back on fire to have a conversation 
Are um, you that in control? You're that he's that much of a master of fire. It's no problem. Yeah. And it's also such a scene like well, it was like, well, we got Robert De Niro. We need to have at least one soliloquy here, right? Because there's like <laughs> no function to the scene. It's just yeah. him talking about it. You gotta love it a little, which is a it's a really cool scene, but you cut it from the movie, it makes no difference whatsoever. That's that's fair. Okay. Also, a big year for Donald Sutherland between this and JFK. He was very big in ninety one. Good for everyone him. Was, everyone was in JFK. What do you mean? Like well, he still had a solid it. role in JFK, though, and he did this the same year, so he deserved it. Robert De Niro wasn't in JFK. Well, Joe Pesci was. His buddy Joe was. Yeah, um, that's true, but that's still not Robert De Niro. So no, That's saying. true. Joe Pesci is not Robert De Niro. We have See, we finally that. figured it out of this damn show. <laughs> but yeah, Donald Sutherland playing the creepy, creepy guy who, when he... <laughs> I guess I could actually pull coals of the script on that scene in front of the parole board where the psychiatrist is so convinced. And then all Shadow's got to do is like pull these things out of him that any typical psychiatrist who was even half decent at her job would have <laughs> clearly been able to pull out. That's some weak script writing upon yeah. further review. Not a big detail, but if we're talking about it, I'm going to say that. No, you're right. And that scene, as memorable as it is, I mean, well... I guess it's some good character building for Rimsdale, Rimsgale's character. Or it character, is. You know, because you, you learn why he's called Shadow and that he is the kind of guy that will save the villain, which comes into play later when he risks his life to save Swayzak. Oh, yes. Okay, that's a good point. So, I, But I'm actually, when we get introduced to Sutherland's character, that first part, I'm cool with that. That scene's fine. But the oh, parole board saying, scene uh, is oh, like okay. when they never like, because it's like two scenes tactically differently. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's like a yeah, they're two interior, yeah. two different interiors. It's but, this section of the movie, yeah. So. Right, I, I, I do think that the scene. I, I like that he calls it pest control because you, you get a little <laughs> insight into what he, you know, what he's doing and his downtime. Because uh, there's only, and that's partly why you get Robert De Niro to do a role like this, is because you need somebody to breathe life into this character that's really only in maybe ten minutes of the movie or so, solid, you know, total. Um, but he does it. And with in spades because it's fucking Robert De Niro. Well, it's also a bummer to me that Kurt Russell's in the opening main after the beginning, like when it's the real Kurt Russell, not the dead one. Mm -hmm. uh, he he goes in to talk to De Niro, and it's like, oh, we're gonna get a lot of De Niro Russell interaction, which is what I really yeah. wanted. And then like, yeah. oh no, there's this scene is just really just to throw it in to say that we did it. It's, it's like they literally like walk past each other. And like, yeah. they're, they're like they're in the same shot, but they're like there's no interaction between them, and that is disappointing. <laughs> On the other hand, we get plenty of uh, Russell and JT Walsh before they're uh, reunited in Breakdown in 1997. But Ooh, uh, good call. Which yeah. also that reminds me of the fucking awesomely epic shot to praise Ron Howard some more. That shot and and Kurt Russell for the way it's delivered when Swayzak shows up at the warehouse fire and Russell comes out of the like the second story building and like starts talking as he's walking down the stairs and then like he walks across a, a fuck he like jumps off a thing and he walks across a truck hood and then he jumps down again and he walks across like some pallets and he jumps down again and he's walking up this way he's like just bitching him out the whole fucking time i'm like god yeah. damn that looks so great like how long it must have take to set that all up it looks so cool i'll give you that there's some and different shots of this movie like the roof shot that is a long shot of him and day mornay when he just shows up on the roof all of a sudden mm -hmm. i guess which is his thing and uh they also the scene back with donald sutherland in front of the parole board you get the point of view right behind baldwin and de niro with their heads in the shot though mm -hmm. still some different stuff there that uh i i recognize like oh this is cool uh howard's playing around here he's growing 
yeah, it's really easy to admire the shots of fire and slow motion and stuff yes. in this movie, but there, I think there's plenty of, of more subtle shots that are done uh, really competently that show that this guy's, uh, I, I think, a really underappreciated master of film. I agree. I, well, I've said that a lot. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. you guys, I'm into that. I, you've been on his, uh, you've, yeah, you've definitely made that clear. I'm, I'm more jumping on. Uh, on your bandwagon here. The, the oh, Howard come on aboard. Yeah, it's plenty of room Comfy. for you. Mike, it's very nice. Michael Solomon was the uh, DP, by the way, if you're curious. You and find he, job. Uh, he was a director on Band of Brothers. He also was a cinematographer on The Abyss with James Cameron. So. Oh, well, he's worked with some big heavy hitters. Yeah, so he was obviously a guy that maybe Ron Howard's like, oh, I need this guy. This will be good. We, we'll be a good match for this movie because some of the shots are so important to setting up the incredible intensity of this movie at times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that we need to cover? I think we've kind of touched uh, on all the, the It's a Hans things. Zimmer score. Um, oh, I didn't yeah. really notice it much, though, frankly. like Oh, I think it's really Hans Zimmer. Like, the, like, think of the funeral scene where it's like this. You get like, you get, like these huge, bombastic, sweeping strings when you see the entire fire regiment and then it that then it cuts to De morning in her umbrella it's like a single flute i think there's some really really strong oh, it's, stuff that happens it's him it. yeah. yeah he's han zimmering it up for sure i just <laughs> yeah I, I i just realized i think he just was overshadowed by the fire a lot in this movie <laughs> that's all the fire is probably the big star um yeah it really probably. is i mean, I mean for, despite having plenty of star power otherwise yeah it that's that's saying even more of something when you put it like that. It really is. The fire is, I said it already earlier, it's so incredible. It's so, so intense and real to life, and it puts you in there like, wow, this is. This seems like there's nobody who's fronting or putting on airs here at all. This is, uh, this is the real deal, and these are real situations. It seems like they really went out of their way to fuck up some buildings that maybe were already abandoned anyways, but either way, it's still really really uh, memorable. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, that's. I think that's it. So, All right. Well, um, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Well, it's your movie. Why don't you start? All right. Um, so for starters, I feel like and have felt like for some time that this podcast has needed much more Kurt Russell. So I was glad to bring mm-hmm. him on. Um, I think that he's uh, all-American, great, that gets should get some more love and uh we've also done surprisingly little ron howard for as big of fans as we've all shown ourselves to be in and like other segments on the show so it's kind of nice to bring him on um i really was not sure at all how this was going to go for me I, I i like i said i mean i i absorbed this movie for from the years of like 11 to 20 or so, and then ha- probably have not seen it since then, since the late nineties or early two thousands. So I really was prepared for it to be like, well, it sure was nice when I was a kid. <laughs> and instead I was, well, I was fucking enthralled. I was like, holy shit. Not only is this still good. Not only does this hold up, it's significantly better than I remember than I thought it would be. Like, I, I mean, again, that there's, there's some cheesy bits to it, but it, most, I mean, watching it in a digital remaster now, like, I mean, like the, the, the quality that I watched was so good and the, the effects are so good and not dated. So given yeah. that the, that like the quality of the film and the quality of the performances, I mean, it's just, it holds, it almost looks like it could have come out this year. It looks fucking great. 
and I think that there's so much um, depth of emotion between the different characters. I, th- I know a lot of it is cheesy, but I think that you know it's it's fine. I mean, film is all all film is manipulation. It's okay. I I really felt like this not just held up, but I think it holds up great. I I, I love Backdraft. I love backdraft. Uh, I don't know if Eric's watching. Is he going to give us uh, a breakdown next week? Oh, he, <laughs> well, or is he going to give, give us a, he'll give us our pick. I'm sure his pick, but I want to know, is he going to tell us whether backdraft holds up or not? That's what I want to know. So we'll let us know tr- if you're going to type it in the chat or wait till next week, Eric, but either way, uh, firefighter movies, um, you know, Rescue Me was a TV show that I really liked. It was about it was. firefighters, but it also had like the 9-11 angle, and there was a lot of that involved, which I'm not saying it's a negative. It's just that was a bigger part of it, too. So this movie is what you just said about I feel like this movie could have come out last year or this year. I completely agree. I don't. This movie really isn't dated in any way that I can think of because firefighter brotherhoods are still like they are those never that's never going to change most likely you know there's this tight brotherhood of people sisterhood whatever peoplehood whatever whoever's in the crew these days and the people are going to be put through the ringers probies and that's never going to change and, and the fire the way it looks fire looks the same today as it would in this movie and and i didn't I just saw, I was just looking at the IMDb page here and there was, the trailer was rolling of it and it was showing these rolling fires on the floors and and like, it's even more impressive than like I could describe to you the way they manipulated it. However they did it with uh, like wind and stuff or suction. It's so impressive. And the crew, the technical crew in this film deserves a ton of praise, a ton. Yeah. A ton of praise. This movie really isn't, it's timeless. I think it's timeless. I really do because this shit could happen at any given time. And the way some of the way the scenes look when someone got blown up in the backdraft, the people that were murdered, mm-hmm. they did a really good job of like not making it look like, oh, it's a clearly a dummy or something. It's like, oh shit, that looks like wow, that guy just opened the door and he got blown away, or that guy just got blown. And it's also very graphic. We didn't we didn't touch on yeah, this stuff. This movie's very graphic. <laughs> like, the first guy dies through the goddamn windshield, he's charred up and uh, then you got uh, Clint Howard's the guy in the medical right, examiner's right. place, and we got bodies that are charred. Uh, Ron Howard, for being like a, hey, all-American kind of those values, he goes into it pretty hardcore. And there's a lot of F-bombs from Kurt Russell, a lot of violent language, too, and I yeah. want to give credit to that. Ron Howard doesn't just, like, do, hey, I'm here to do your PG or PG-13 film. No, he. <laughs> this is a, a raw film. It really is. And this, I was, you know, somebody who didn't really thought – I had ever seen it before. If I saw it once, maybe whatever. I was riveted, and I was like, oh, man, what's going to happen next? And I, I kept pushing back the start time of the other pot I was going to do because I'm like, I got to finish this thing, man. I got to see what happens. I don't even give a – I could lie about it, but, no, I really want to see what happens here. So I love this movie, and I can't wait to – I want to watch it again. I'm going to watch it again tonight. Just, like, wow. chill out just watch it. I, I awesome. love Ron Howard. I love Kurt Russell. I love all the people in this movie, and this is a great watch. Love Backdraft. Say the words. Backdraft absolutely holds up. All right. And to continue your point about the timelessness of the movie, some, a, a point I meant to make when we were talking earlier, just there's that scene when he like, is, when Billy Baldwin takes Jennifer Jason Lee to the, to the station house and like points out the 
attic that would lead to the old hay and like he's talking about yeah. how it's like connected to old times and now maybe it's still kind of the same and like man like then that's one of the things else i think the movie does a pretty good job is is presenting the consistency like the tradition of these firehouses and these the, these communities and, the, and like the, and that's partly i think why the movie is still timeless too is because of that so and Chicago being the home of the Great Fire of 1871. So, That's right. Don't you know, forget the Pestigo Fire and the Great Michigan Fire the same night. I didn't know about that one. Oh, uh, yeah. I was, they always get, they always get, uh, they always get kicked they get the, the bag. They get yeah, a, there was more the deaths bag. in Pestigo. Pestigo was something like uh, 600 people died or more. 1,000 people died. It was crazy. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, not only does this movie hold up, but also we got a great Destin Thompson review. Even if Destin didn't like it, that was a... <laughs> That was a brilliant. Uh, thank yeah. you, Destin, for that. Uh, yeah, I know you thought it to be formulaic, Destin, but still, we always. Uh, I mean, that's that's the power of Destin Thompson's reviews is that even when I wholeheartedly disagree with him, I could love the way that he turns a phrase <laughs> and be like, "Damn it, that's great." <laughs> yep, that's well said. Well yeah. said. All right, Eric. Uh, well, next week it's going to be your selection, so I assume you're going to share your choice for next week in the live chat. We're going to reveal it here on YouTube and for the podcast viewers uh, or listeners. YouTube people are view. Oh, there it is. 2015. Wow. Patrick Stewart. The dearly departed. Anton Yelkin. Green Room. I I know exactly how I feel about Jeremy Saulnier's Green Room. And I'm always uh, excited to watch it and talk it and talk about it. What's that? Blue Ruin guy, right? Of Blue Ruin fame and uh Hollow and, and Murder Party. And uh, what's the one with Jeffrey Wright? I forget the name of that one. I don't know. I never saw Murder Party, but I have seen Green Room once. In fact, it was only a long once. journey. Yeah, I only saw it once, and it was a long journey to finally see it. As Brian Madison, who's a friend of the show, been on the show before, he knows what I'm talking about, Brian. Do you remember the journey to try to finally see Green Room together back in, like, 2016? And uh, That still never happened, but I finally saw it once shortly <laughs> right, well, after that. You're going to so. watch it again. So. I will. Let's do it. Okay. Eric, 2015's Green Room. We'll watch that next week. Well, we'll watch it within the next week, and we will do that show. Thank you, everyone. Cinema Night Podcast. Me and Travis did this one together. Eric, we hope you feel better, my friend. And Let me go, boy. (laughs) You go, we go. You go, we go. Actually, by the way, just to, to totally ruin it for you, you go, we go absolutely reminds me and maybe this was an homage now that i'm saying it out loud you gonna say ugo right now no you're not (laughs) you would never guess this in a million years i don't think yeah because it's from american pie 2 a sequel there's a scene where the guys and these women are and they have to each go you go then we go the the girls will do their thing together but the guys have to do the thing first they say that you go we go directly yeah. verbatim they do i mean it is so. the line from the movie backdraft i mean so it's, it is it's i'm sure there's other parodies and references throughout throughout other films and stuff I'm gonna look into that, but yeah, that's how I that's how I remember. It's so funny what we all bring to this show. All right, thanks everybody. Cinema Night Podcast, five star reviews, all that stuff. Me and Travis had a great time talking backdraft, and we hope you enjoyed it too. They're killing firemen for money. It's not fun, but good lines. It's not fun. It's not fun.